0: Hi, my name is Lande Yusuf, And my name is Reggie Williams. And we're the co-founders of Black Film Space. Black Film Space is a grassroots organization dedicated to enhancing the skill sets of black filmmakers and building a community of creatives. We host events such as screenwriting workshops, panels, mixers, and other events that are designed to support black content creators. In our next episode of the Black Film
1: Space podcast, we sit down with Kyle Brett, an entertainment lawyer. We talked to Kyle about the best practices to protect yourself as an actor or filmmaker, as well as his opinion on why black creatives are more likely to short themselves at the negotiating table. Before we begin the interview, we have a few brief announcements. Coming up this month, in March 2019, we're hosting a screening series called Cinema for Her. Every Wednesday, we're going to screen a classic film that's centered around black women and follow up with the discussion. This will be at Laco Cafe at 195 Utica Avenue in Brooklyn. Admission is free with a one drink minimum. On March 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we're hosting our first webinar on Instagram with Shannon E. Johnson. Shannon is a former sci fi network executive turned professional script consultant, and she will be detailing how to pitch to a room of executives. On March 21st, we're hosting our monthly screenwriting workshop at Studios 150 in Midtown Manhattan. On March 28th, we're hosting a producing shorts and features panel featuring Marquise Stilwell and Dominga Martin. Marquise is the founder of Open Docs, a production company and was the executive producer of the award-winning documentary, Shield and Spear. Dominga has produced several music videos, which have been featured on MTV and BET. Lastly, we're hosting our fourth annual screenwriting retreat from June 19th to 23rd. The Black Film Space screenwriting retreat is a five-day, four-night excursion designed to offer screenwriters a quiet space to focus on their writing and connect with like-minded creatives. We also incorporate optional screenwriting workshops, yoga, meditation sessions, table dinners, and nature walks. The deadline for the first deposit is April 1st. For more info on all these events, go to blackfilmspace.com. Now, on to our interview. Um,
0: Hi guys, this is Kyle A. Brett. He's an entertainment law attorney. Um, so I'm going to kick off with the first question, which is how did you get into entertainment law?
2: So I was a corporate lawyer for three years. Um, and then I wanted to really, uh, you know, I was not happy in my position, but I really wanted to help Black creatives. Um, so through a combination of you know, networking and just and, and looking for the best uh, entertainment law firm in New York City I could I could get into and not, you know with hiring, I uh, <clears throat> I started looking and I, I fortunately fell into a really great practice now. And it took a while, but it's definitely worth
0: it. So, Kyle, what what made you choose entertainment law as an area yeah, of focus?
2: Right. So, I was a I was a corporate lawyer for three years,
0: and then I. What just do corporate was, lawyers do? Everyone says corporate lawyer. <laughs>
2: so I Man, just... what? I don't know. We like hate our <laughs> lives. Like that's the first and foremost thing you do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, uh, like so, corporate law. I was at a, a you know a big firm in New York. I was an M and A lawyer and uh you know i think the the easiest and like shortest way to explain it is um you know if a company wanted to be bought like let's say uh pepsi i don't know i'm like doing this off the top of my head. let's say pepsi wanted to buy a water company
3: mm-hmm.
2: um if we represented pepsi we would make sure that all the representations that the water company was making in terms of like their their the documents they were producing were accurate. We would just be making sure the actual contract for Pepsi to buy the water company, you know, provided Pepsi with favorable language. We we would actually be reviewing some of the agreements that the water company has with, you know, I don't know, Maine and the water company has with, you know, New Hampshire. And, you know, we would just be not auditing, but making sure we understood exactly what Pepsi was buying. That's probably the easiest way of explaining M&A law, and that's what I did for three years. Um, And then I just was, like, really, really unhappy, which is probably the story of most, a lot of young black associates at these major law firms. Mm. Um, And I was, you know, I think I I am partially creative and... I think I'm also, uh, you know, I I care, I'm empathetic about black creatives. Um, And so I thought if I was going to be, continue to be a lawyer, um, that it made sense for me to try to get in a position to help black creatives. Um, So after three years of uh, being at the law firm, I, you know, wanted to take my, wanted to find my way into entertainment law. Mm-hmm. So that I could, you know, be an entertainment lawyer, but also like in my just profession, just be able to help and advise black creatives. Um. So after three years, that's that's how I got into it.
0: So how's it been with entertainment law? What What, do you, what do you? Yeah. What do you? Um. What do you normally run into in terms of helping clients? Yeah.
2: So it's good. So I work at a firm. Um, and so a lot of, you know, when you first, or when you first come to a firm as an associate, a lot of your practice is servicing, um, you know, uh, the partner's clients. So like, I don't know, let's say, uh, you say, let's say the partner's client is Denzel Washington Mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of what you'll be doing is just, you know, helping that partner with whatever Denzel needs. Um, but in your like just day-to-day life like when you're out and you know you're at an event and people see you and they know that you're um, an entertainment lawyer they obviously ask you questions. But day-to-day is you know reviewing um, a lot of different types of agreements or any type of agreement that an actor, writer, producer, showrunner, uh, director might deal with. For example, there can be a contract, an actor agreement with Denzel Washington to start Equalizer 3. And in part of that, you know, dealing with his agreement, you want to make sure he's protected in a lot of obvious ways, such as making sure he receives a compensation that uh, everyone's agreed he should receive, but also some non-obvious ways, like, you know, making sure that he's not exclusive to the project um, for seven or eight months during post-production and that he's able to take on more work.
0: How does someone who is relatively new to the industry navigate using legal counsel? Because that's something I think a lot of people struggle mm-hmm. with. You know, at what point do they introduce a lawyer into you know, their negotiations? And especially in a way right. that's still fairly affordable.
2: Right. So I think there there's two parts to that question. I think um the first part is that there's an order of operations in terms of the representation the representatives that you'll that you want to onboard onto your career. So the first representative that you want to onboard onto your career as a black creative is a manager. That's you know, that is your that's your spoon coon. That's your like and a manager really has to be someone who like completely understands your, what you want for yourself, you know, like where you want to be when you're at the pinnacle of your career. The second person is, um, the second person is somewhat interchangeable. It's either your agent or your lawyer, but it's certainly secondary to your manager. Um, your agent, unlike your manager Well, I shouldn't say unlike, but your agent is going to focus heavily on finding business opportunities for you. Um, Whereas your manager is just making sure that these business opportunities make sense and that these business opportunities are in line with the direction that you want to head. The lawyer is making sure that these business opportunities are favorable and protective of your interests. Um, so those are the three roles that you know i think all black creators should be thinking of and that's kind of the concert in which you should be thinking of them as so but the the issue and i think this gets to this gets to your point really um is that your lawyer is probably the only one who has like an actual I don't even know like an, not maybe not ethical but almost like a professional obligation to your best interest
3: yeah
2: um, so your agent you know I, I always try not to talk bad about agents especially on the record <laughs> but your agent like your, your agent can just be like I look for example like you know let's say hypothetically there was a movie that recently won an Oscar about a white man driving a black man, right? Like no, your it's agent, a hypothetical. Hi, <laughs> hypothetical. Complete okay. hypothetical, right? Let's say there was a movie that like won a few days ago about that. Um, your your agent could be like, yo, you need to do that. You need to take something exactly like that, right? And your manager could be could could mistakenly be like, no, don't do that. Like, that's not at all who you want to be like. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, there's there's some lack of impartiality in both your manager and your uh, agent, because your agent's just going to gonna want to take, you know, going to want you to take, you know, as many jobs as possible, as higher paying jobs as possible. And sometimes your manager's just a little bit too close to the Mona Lisa and like doesn't really have perspective and, you know, I think your lawyer, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, does have that kind of middle ground perspective. Um, and so you see a lot of, you know, you see a lot of creatives turning to their lawyer for that imparti- impartial advice. in like a, in business and in professional and just like, for example, like when a lot of creatives want to fire their manager or their agent, they turn to their lawyer you know like that's that's kind of the role that the creatives play so the answer along with the way of answering the question i i think it comes secondary to your manager but i understand that being protected and um having some impartial counsel is so vital especially for black uh black creatives that there can be um a sense of urgency to quickly have a lawyer, which I, which I, I think is a you know something you know everyone has to balance. The other part of that your question was uh, was regarding payment, and I think most talent firms, especially if you're if you're talking about a firm and not just like a solo practitioner, um, most of those places or will operate on a like a five or I think it should be five, but five or ten percent. Um, contingent compensation which is I personally I don't, I don't think this is just me drinking the Kool-Aid but I really do think that's beneficial for young actors because it's like you know if you make if you make a hundred dollars to star in this movie and I spend three hours on your agreement I'm not charging you a billable rate not like I would if I was at a corporate law firm right which my billable rate can be 90 dollars an hour a hundred dollars an hour so let's say i did i did this agreement for you you're only making a hundred dollars on it but my billable rate's a hundred dollars for three hours so I, i'm going to charge you three hundred dollars for three hours for something that you are only getting paid for a hundred a hundred dollars like it just doesn't make economic sense
3: yeah
2: but most talent firms especially the ones that you know i think a lot of people are represented by operate on a 5% basis. And so that means if you're making $0, we're making $0. If you're making $100, we're making $5, right? Like it, it, it grows with however much you're receiving. And honestly, truthfully, like a lot of these entertainment, boutique entertainment law firms, when you're just starting out and you're like not making anything, they're not going to collect. Because the idea is like, you know, we're almost we're almost invested in you in a sense. You know, it's like we believe so much in you, like we're just trying to get you a place where you can be making two million dollars a film. And then at that point, certainly, right? Or like mm-hmm. before that yes. but like Yeah, at that point it's like, Okay, cool, we've represented you for five years for free. I hope you don't mind five percent of two million. Mm-hmm. Um so that that I think that's the second part, the second answer to your question, which is like, you know, really try to find these. I, I think you know the solo practitioners are great and extremely vital, um, but I think they are also dealing with. They need to you know pay for their rent and they need to you know pay their own bills, and so they may be charging a flat rate or they may be charging a billable rate. But if you're able to find um, a firm that will take you on, uh, on a 5% basis, that can be ideal. The problem last point is that, you know, a lot of the clients that firms take come from referrals from managers, right? So it's like, if you're, and this again, it goes back to the order of operations, but if you can just get a manager, that's really great. And everyone was like, wow, I really respect this manager. And the last, you know, this manager managed Eddie Murphy. And so I know that if they're bringing me this person, this person must be the next real deal. I think a, a great, great manager is a signifier to both agents
1: and uh, lawyers. So you've mentioned Black creatives a few times. What would be, in your experience, the, the difference uh, that you see between Black creatives and, and non Black creatives in this industry?
2: Yeah. So, first, and like the, man like create like the just such big thing is that I don't know like and this is anecdotal of course like I'm sure someone would be like this is not true you know but I really feel like a lot of the black creatives I deal with are like all all the way in on their creative project meaning like like they're like if this doesn't work like I, I don't have there's no fallback plan you know there's no one There's no Superman or Batman coming to my rescue. Like, this is it. And this is what I'm all in on. And so I I do think that, like, that that makes the urgency for finding the next thing that's going to take you to, you know, become a series regular who's paid $30,000 a year. I think that it makes you obviously less impatient, like, uh, in an obvious way. And so that that's probably one anecdotal thing I'll say. The other anecdotal thing I'll say is like, um, I think, you know, there's for, I mean, not, not for, I was gonna say for whatever reason, but not for whatever reason, it's, it's, it's you know, uninten- it's by intentional or unintentional design is that there's not a lot of black lawyers in black creative spaces. And so it's really hard to find you know, someone who can just sit down with you and walk you through, you know, a I don't know, a standard TV weekly contract. And so, a lot of the black creatives I've seen are just very inclined to just sign things. Mm-hmm. You know, they and that ties into the first part, which is like, man, I I I need to get on. I need to get on. And so, I've had so many friends who like are in that headspace, and so they're just they're like oh, BT wants me to work on the show and I, you know they want me to start seven episodes and that's so dope and they gave me this contract, I'm just going to sign it. You know, I'm like, man, they're not paying me anything. And they're like, yeah, but this is their form contract. I'm like, this is a yeah, this is their form contract. Like, you know, you're able to negotiate. And I think a lot, especially in the music industry, a lot of my a lot of my younger friends like 20 24 25 like they just like, didn't even know you could like mark up a contract mm-hmm. right like they thought in their mind they thought oh you know uh Sony gave me this contract can you just review it just to, and tell me what it says right and so they weren't even thinking like I was going to or the lawyer was going to like send a much copy back and be like no we're not agreeing to us we're not agreeing to us um and so i think for me like you know that is always a lot of my friends and a lot of the people my friends introduced me to are just um they just they just are so sign happy for a lot of for a lot of different reasons um and that's
1: one thing i think i, I, I wish we we could change for sure yeah it's it. Just you saying this now um, sparks uh, new information for me because I'm just thinking that I would only be able to negotiate if I had leverage. You know, if I was, Mm -hmm. let's say I was an actor on a Mm -hmm. show, not a famous actor, you know, up-and-coming actor, and um, they're paying me, like you said, $30,000 a year, why couldn't they just find somebody else that would take that amount of money? Like, what what leveraging... power do i
2: have in that situation yeah and again like i am sympathetic to black creatives so like i completely understand where that it's like that that sense of scarcity uh, yeah you know not it's like man, this is it like i need this like i you know even if you know even if it's a even if it's a role in a film like and they're not paying me anything and i have to pay my flight and i have to do like Man, I I just need an opportunity, you know. Like I I get that, and part of that is like admirable, and so it's a sense of the hustle. But like, you know, there's always and always a chance to speak up for yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like there there's always. And honestly, like I tell my friends and my clients this all the time, if you send some like if if I mark up a contract, and I send it to you to send to them or I just send it to them and they say and they and they're offended that you wanted to protect yourself right or you wanted to make a situation a little bit better than you you should be very wary about who you're partnering with right Mm -hmm. because it's not it's not like I'm marking up a contract and say you know f you like go to hell (laughs) like i'm just like i'm like okay so you see this line where it says you're not paying for any of these travel costs this is not a person who has a ton of money can you please just help them make this flight you know Mm -hmm. i'm not like again it's not i don't know there's this i think there's this thing of like people think you know if you mark up a contract or you try to push back you're like yelling at them sort of you know and I'm like, man, it's like, it, it's not really like that. Maybe I'm a lawyer, so I don't, think, I don't think it's like that. But it's more like, you know, I'm so excited for this opportunity. That, okay, what if we tweaked this here? This would make my life so much easier. You know, mm-hmm. it's conversational. It's not It's not adversarial until it needs to be. But, you know, at least in the initial draft, it's like, yo like this is I'm so excited for this opportunity I cannot wait to start I have no money so paying for a flight to uh New Orleans is going to be really fucking hard for me paying for the Ubers you know to and from the airport and the hotel and um the production set's going to be really hard for me paying for my room is going to be really hard for me I'm you could possibly push me to a place where I would do it, but it's going to be really hard for me. And I just want to be able to focus on the work. I don't want to have to be focused on like, okay, I need to wake up an hour early. I don't even
3: know. I've never been to New Orleans,
2: but I need to wake up an hour early so I can catch the bus so I can, you know, and then I need to be sure that maybe I go to this gas station and get a sandwich. So I'm not hungry on set so I can focus, you know, like, it's it's common. I I tell people like the initial draft is like conversational. It's just like you know, oh let's let's just change this so I can be super present for the job. You know, and I just I just wish for whatever reason I keep saying that phrase. But my my uh, young white clients are like so. like adversarial you know like they're just like i want this i want this i want this i want this and i'm like you have zero acting credits you know Mm -hmm. but i it's good you know it's good to be you know demand and know know your worth and ask you better for sure
0: okay um so what are like standard contracts that you see people encountering um I guess we could focus on film for now, but I'm, I'm curious about film and television, but I'd love mm-hmm. for you to talk about film for now.
2: Yeah, I think the most, I think the most standard is just your standard acting agreement. <laughs> and so that, you'll have that. In film, you'll have, you know, it's just called an actor's agreement. In TV, it's usually called like a weekly contract. And so it's just a contract that, you know, occurs over a series of weeks um but i mean for at least actors those two are kind of the bread and butter but like you know again for in my practice we deal with television and film actors Mm -hmm. outside of um television and film so if they're doing like a sponsorship deal or something we definitely see those or we definitely see um i don't know any 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 type of deal that they're doing but in, in in terms of like the tv world and the uh film world the the main i guess two agreements that you usually see for actors are will be like the the actor agreement and then the uh weekly contract, and then of course you'll see nudity writers, which are just um which I didn't know uh, until I joined the firm, but they're like you know if there's ever sex scenes or something in there that has to be separately negotiated,
0: oh wow, okay. So the actor agreement is an agreement to perform on the project.
2: Exactly. To 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 they're engaging you for acting services on okay. the project.
0: And then the weekly agreement is your salary, your pay.
2: Payment. Well, I mean the weekly the weekly agreement is just what the acting agreement is called in the TV world. Um so for like in the film world, they'll they'll be like, Okay, um we're engaging your services for this movie, and the movie is projected. Principal photography of the movie is projected for two months, right? So they're just engaging your services for that two months. The weekly contract is the same idea, but it's just it's just it's just different scheduling. Like they'll be like, okay, we're engaging you for 13 weeks, um, and here's what your weekly salary will be paid as. Rather than the acting agreement, which is just like here's what you're going to be paid to be in this movie. Um, but it, 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 I don't know, it's 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 not it's 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 a lot of like labelings that are different. But it's it's just how it's just like the just the the terms that they that they're using the different and the different uh, the different mediums.
0: Okay. And within those agreements, should you like negotiate certain things? Like before you mentioned, like maybe help with travel. Lodging, yeah, I, meals, you know. Yeah,
2: for sure. I think like, I think like, it's actually like there's a lot of things. Like the the way to think of it is that you and and if we're talking about standard forms, the first half of the contract is like, the lawyer and your agent and your manager will really make sure it's tight because the first half of the contract is always going to be how much are you being paid how long do you have to um you know actually be on set how are you exclusive right which means you know if you are if you are if you if you are in New Orleans right and you've done all of your principal, if you've done all of your um acting for the day or you're performing for the day well let's say you have another commercial you could shoot at night like Can you, are you able to do that? Some agreements say you're exclusive and you cannot do anything else. You cannot work during the time that we need you for. Some agreements say, you you know, this is non-exclusive. You can, as long as you, as long as there's no quote unquote material interference with the services you're to provide for us, you feel free to at night go shoot a commercial. We don't care. Um, So the first half of the contract is going to always deal with the things that the managers, the agents, and the lawyers care about and they will probably um, you know, make sure your best and not probably they definitely will make sure your best interests are protected in the first half. The second half is, you know, is again where the lawyer should really and this comes into the lawyer impartiality, but the second half of the contract or the back half of the contract is really the things that I think actors like really really care about and really really get mad about whenever things go wrong on set so for example the second half of the contract will have you know the look of your character um so and this and this i think is really important for black women um black women creatives but you will have like things that dictate your dictate like what is to be done with your hair and so, whether or not they can cut it, whether or not they need a stylist that's approved by you, whether or not whatever they say you need to do to your hair, are they going to pay for it to be done? Are they not going to pay for it to be done once you're done filming? Are they going to pay for it to be to for you to ha- get your hair done? You know, if you had braids, to get your hair rebraided. Um, and so, then there's other language like, you know. And, and for your dressing room, is your dressing room shared amongst all people? Is it only shared with the women on the set, women of the cast? Is it just you by yourself? Does it include, you know, first-class amenities? Um, and then there's just stuff like, like we were talking about, like uh, transportation. And then you have, like, fun stuff, right? So you have, do you, like, I, I I read something crazy on Twitter the other day, which was, I mean, I think I I think I think always read something crazy on Twitter. But, I know, right? <laughs> but there was something about Olivia, um, Octavia Spencer had to buy or enter a lottery to get a ticket to go to the Academy Awards for Green Book, even though she's an executive producer, right? Wow. And to, and oh to me, God. yeah, like, right? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> It, to me, that was insane because, like, the one – not the one, but, like, one of the provisions that is just so drilled into our head that, like, the client will actually pick up the phone and, like, you know, be incensed and yell at you for. There's a provision at the, in the back half of the agreement, like, um, concerns um, premieres, right, and uh, and award ceremonies and so you always want to make sure that included in that I mean that would be an ep agreement but included in any of your client's agreements they obviously are getting tickets to awards festivals or premieres right so if you i think like joe robert cole i think is his name he wrote black panther right mm-hmm. so you know he, i i didn't see him a ton in a lot of the premieres or a lot of the like you know, high profile stuff like him. But maybe that was just like, you know, he didn't want it or something. But I would have made sure that he has tickets, certainly, to all of the premieres in China and LA and New York and Atlanta. And, you know, he's all that travel, which is promotion and publicity, is being taken care of, right? Because you don't want to be in a situation where you represent Joe Robert Cole. And he's like, man, Kugler's out here, you know, Lapita's out here. I'm more, people are like, yo, Joe, why aren't you out there, you know? So this, that, that back half, I think, is, a, is really where a lot of the talent feels the deal. Do you know what I mean? Like they re, Like a lot of the front half is theoretical and it's like, you know, making sure everything's okay. But the back half is where a lot of the talent actually feels the weight of, you know, experience of their of the, of the engagement
0: i didn't know all of that was included <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, there, there's a lot of stuff uh,
3: like,
0: yeah. yeah i
2: don't want to ramble but there's just there's a lot a lot of stuff that uh that happens in these agreements for sure
1: and what about um in regards to agreements for for filmmakers like what what are some basic mistakes that you see new filmmakers making yeah, so, again, like, let's say you're
2: a young director, right, and you're working with a really exciting producer. I would say um, there's, again, like this, I don't know, I feel like a lot of this circles to a lot of the good things we were talking about earlier, but a lot of this stuff is like, I think if you if you have a young filmmaker who has an exciting opportunity to direct a film, they're going to be like, man, I don't wanna, I don't want to push back, I don't want to lose this, you know? But the things I would tell them to look out for, is you know who gets final cut, right? Um, how long are you tied to the project? Are you are you in? Are you exclusive to the project until the absolute final cut? Because sometimes, right? There's there's um, a director's cut there can be a tv cut like to cut to you know put it on tv
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then there can be like an airline cut like a cut to make it you know viewable on planes and stuff like that and so a lot of those cuts could take our year in post-production for i don't know six post-production often longer times than you're in principal photography and so you know you want to make sure like look, I, I want the ability to, I've already been paid for this job. So if I'm, the longer I'm in this, the more, but like, I'm not making any more money. You know, this is basically unpaid overtime.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, So if I want, like, I want to be able to take on more jobs and I don't want to just be stuck in post-production with the producer. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is, you know, I, I would, sometimes the producers like to incentivize um or not incentivize but they put in language around like okay we get um basically like a first look at your next project like we'll work with you on we'll work with you on film a but you have to you have to give us the right to refuse um your next creative idea and so like i feel like some of my clients are some you know some people have you know not thought that was a big deal but maybe it is you know like maybe you know this first one is a is a super super success and then you're tied to this producer that you kind of hate for the next one so that's that's another thing i would look at look out for and then the third thing is is just going back to you know being exclusive like you know you don't you really really just want to watch out for that because that is probably how you get hurt the most um and music contracts it and you know and and music contracts- ex- exclusivity is a little bit even more dangerous, but in film it can film and t v it can be dangerous too, which is you know just you know if you don't have to be working on something and if something doesn't need you know your full undivided attention, you should be able to make more money into and into participate in more opportunities um so those are the things i would say at least like a filmmaker should definitely definitely be looking out for us and and you know of course it goes without saying like the back end i mean i i don't even know if we have time for the back end but your back end participation has to be reviewed with a, a fine tooth comb like that is you know that that's that's really how you're making that's how you make your quote-unquote royalties right like how much, what, are your, what is your participation in the in the gross profits? You know, you obviously don't, I, I think it suffices now to say, like, your compensation, maybe you get paid $50,000, but, you know, let's say you directed A Quiet Place. Let's say you directed um, some of these movies that are made for like $2 million, and they go on to make a hundred million dollars right like you you want to be sure that you're participating like the the bar the the basement is that you're participating in the back end the the kind of you know living room floor level is like how much are you participating in the in the back end and that i mean the back end is so complicated i really i mean i i i think i have a you know I have working knowledge of the back end, but the back end can can get so complicated and that's something you really, really need a lawyer for. Um, because you know, it's it's one of those provisions that says like, you know, oh the define the defined net proceeds are this and this and this minus this and this and this, but there's this and this and this and then this and this this and this. You just gotta be really, really thorough when you start talking about back end for sure. Because that's how, you know, you can make a lot of money if you, if you have a runaway hit and you want to be super And the back end is where, you know, that, 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 that good stuff comes from.
0: So you were talking earlier about um, some terms and contracts that you saw where, you know, that were alarming. What do you think studios or production companies, et cetera, try to pull off for people who are not as aware or not as, you know, educated on like the law
3: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i think i think different
2: i think at least in the at least in like so in the in the music industry it's a little bit more alarming right because you'll have you know you'll have basically 360 deals oh yeah Yeah.
3: um
2: where people you know where uh labels are taking labels or managers are taking cut of like everything you do even if they're not sourcing them right so you know if you're you know you're out here doing all this crazy work or you're or you got this deal with sprite and they're like you know uh they're like oh well we get to cut that too um and so that's that's why i say it's a little bit scarier I and mean, especially if you have a if you have a manager in the film world if you have a manager contract you need to make sure there's like not 360 language in that um you know you're are they I mean, trying
0: 360 deals with film and tv
2: Well, I mean, your manager, like your manager would definitely, I could definitely, I I could easily, I mean, I haven't read a ton of manager actor contracts because like that would just be, I I could because that would mean an actor reached out to me before they had a manager. That would just be, you know, usually like I'm just dealing with friends, but if they ever sent me like, oh, I'm thinking about bringing on this manager, can Mm -hmm. you read the agreement? I could easily see a manager being like I get a cut of everything you do inside of film tv uh you know if you do any on-air on-air hosting for any like award show or something I get a cut of everything I could easily see that for sure um so yeah I mean like there's just so many so much tricky dark art stuff that like a lot of (laughs) A lot of people try to pull on, you know, people who just really, really want to work and aren't are, are in a position like you guys are saying to like feel like they have that leverage. Um, but I think I think probably the most common area that you know, at least the people I work with and you know things I've seen, are exclusivity, like that. That and that can appear in so many different ways. For example, let's say let's say someone off like, like for up until now, I've just been talking about exclusivity in terms of like how long I have to be with you, but there's also exclusivity in the form of like, what type of work I can even take. Right. So mm. it can be like, you know, if if you have, if Apple, if I'm an actor and Apple hires me right they can be like look you, you can do any projects that you after this like the day this agreement ends the day you're done providing services you can do whatever the hell you want except for anyone who for any company that has a similar product has a similar product to the iphone right so that eliminates you from and then they'll say like we need this we need this for like two years and so, if you're not careful and you don't catch that language you could you could end this iPhone commercial, and then Google Pixel or Android or whoever could come to you in you know two weeks and be like, "Oh, we want you to be in this commercial," and then you could do this commercial you know, you will know, be on set, and Apple could be like, "Look, we found this out, here's this language. She needs to get offset immediately mm. and so you know there's there's exclusivity in terms of like how long you're working on something right. But there's also exclusivity in the forms of like what you're able to work on. Um, sometimes the sometimes people will say like, you know, we have we have this person exclusive in all of TV, or they'll say we have exclusive in all of like you know any motion picture, or sometimes they'll just say in all of media. So for example, what that means is uh, Mahershala Ali, right? Mahershala mm-hmm. Ali, right? So let's say he was, let's say the production company for Green Book was like, we have you, while you're engaged, we have you exclusive in all media. And that means he couldn't have done True Detective. Or let's say whoever puts together, HBO HBO puts together True Detective Mm -hmm. and they say, we have, not only do we have you in TV, but we have you in all media. So then he couldn't do Green Book you know so like it's not just about like how long do we have you it's also about like in what universe or what territory do we have you in um so that's that's something and you know those and he's he got a he got an oscar for green book and he got and he's definitely he's probably going to get an emmy for true detective yeah Yeah. for sure and so it's like you know it's like that that you want to like his lawyer you know on them, like they made sure like look, he's not exclusive in the all media. He might be I don't even know, he might be exclusive in T V, so HBO, you got that. Well he'll do your sure detective, but he's gonna be also working on other stuff in film and, and theater, maybe, you know.
0: Yeah, I've heard that HBO likes to uh keep their talent exclusive to television. Um
2: Yeah, and I, I believe, believe that I mean yeah it makes it makes sense, you know, I think I think mean, if yeah. I ever was on the you know, productions are. I definitely can understand why, because you know, you want you want people to think of uh Mahershala and TV, and you want to think of him in True Detective and not like three different series. Mhm. Um. So I understand it, but you know, that's something I think the lawyer at least should be aware.
0: of. So it's something that people should expect the further they yeah. go into their career and the bigger the platforms they work on, basically.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And and it, you know, it's, it's not just production companies. It's like you know, if, if you want to do, I don't know, such show like any of those, like James Corden or stuff like I don't know any of those like TV shows, like mm-hmm. they they can have exclusivity clauses too, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: or any game shows or you just gotta be like, I don't know, it's, it, I, I wish this stuff could be done by like, you know, I wish someone could read a contract, like a creative could read a contract and like prop and like at least like. 80 percent understand it but a lot of this stuff is sneaky man and like it is (laughs) you'll you'll see like there'll be like i'm thinking of i there was this agreement i i i reviewed and without getting like without getting into the weeds of it like Mm -hmm. there there's this there's just um there's this clause that you know says you basically have to protect the producer if the producer gets sued for anything you do in breach of the contract. Right. And there are literally like three and that's, that's, that can, that can be fairly standard. Right. But there are like three words that take fairly standard, um, rep or that fairly standard agreement from like a three problematic to like a 12 problematic. Right. and like cuz it just it just expands the universe of things that they could be like hey you need to protect we're getting sued you need to protect us and you need to pay for all of all of our litig- all of our cost right and there it's just in the the words are, or or arising out of right and it's just like you know those are such harmless and innocuous words it seems like but in practice those three words in that specific clause that I'm, I'm I'm talking about that could that could literally, they could they could invoke that clause on so many different things by hooking it on those three words. You see what I'm saying? Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Um, and so it's like you know, and that and that's just an that's one example. There's so many other just really weird and ad hoc examples of like, oh, those those little words just actually changed the mechanics of this thing, and now this client is on the hook. So. I wish a lot of people could just review their own contracts and, you know, sit down and you know, look at it with a pen. But a lot of this stuff is like, unless, unless you know the industry, unless you know the, the terms of art, you know, you, you would naturally and understandably dismiss it. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I think it, I think it is important to, you know, befriend a lawyer or, um, you know, talk to your man have like a really you know you know heart to heart with your manager about like you know what are we signing and like are are you able to review this at a legal level or like a lawyer's level or are you working coordinate coordination with someone um but yeah there's just a lot of there's a lot of little hidden pitfalls that unfortunately you know some people get hit with
0: what about streaming platforms do you feel like there's a difference in the way that they negotiate versus like traditional television and film that's that's interesting um i don't feel like um, no <laughs> i feel like there's i don't i don't feel like there's a,
2: i don't feel like there's like a crazy difference um i'm 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 impressed by it. i'm like i'm always impressed by the netflix attorneys i'll, I'll say that i don't know about like they're just they're just really sharp and they're really on it and you know, they kind of make you have to, you know, like, you know, step up your game. I don't, I don't know. If that's, I don't know. If that's a, I don't know, really. But maybe that's just like, you know, Netflix is a cool place to work. Amazon Television seems like a cool place to work. So, you know, really impressive people go there. But uh, I definitely feel like when you're negotiating against them, it's, yeah, you know, you're playing the game's a little faster for sure.
1: Yeah. i don't know
2: how. i don't know if that trickles down to the how the client feels right uh
1: at what point should filmmakers secure copyrights for their work you think it's ever yeah. too early no <laughs> no <laughs> like no, i'm like, I mean, yesterday
2: uh two years ago 10 years ago i don't know like yeah protect protect yourself and again like there's um there's always provision, oh, man, if I'm really, even talking to you guys, I'm just realizing how many pitfalls there are. Um, like there'll be language, which, you know, again, it's usually always three words, um, but it'll be something like, like if you, like if you, if you, if you in a director agreement for a, a production company and there can be the, in terms of a the copyright, there can be language in there that they say you've now assigned or you've now, uh, as a work for hire, given them anything that you've now, so this is, a. there's two ways it breaks out. One is you get, you're, you're signing them or they own it as a work for hire, any material made after the contract, which can be fine. But sometimes there's language in there that says like, before the contract related to the contract or after the contract right and so there could be some there could be an idea you are working on before the contract you know that that is helping you have a base of creativity for stuff that you're doing after the contract but what that what that little language can do is they can claim all of that stuff before you know what I mean, and yeah. so it's like so you just have to be clear on like what like what rights are they even getting? are they getting are they, like 'cause once the clock starts with the agreement, I think everyone's clear like they probably own these rights, you know, but for example like uh, like let's say there's a let's say there's um a, a comedian that wants to host like let's say um low row low row is gonna host an award show. And he's going to host an award show for Comedy Central, and Comedy Central says, "Okay, we own all the jokes that you perform. We own all the jokes that you perform at this award show, and wow. you have no, you have no, you have no rights." So that that's pretty intense in of itself. But you can go to Lil Rel and you can be like, "Look, anything you say at this award show, they own. So be careful about what you say. That's fine. But then there's also language in the same contract, or can be in the same contract." Which says like any if if you've you know basically the way it comes out is you want to exclude existing material right material that already exists with Little Ralph so if you don't catch that and if you don't exclude that then you know Comedy streams is going to be like look even though you own that joke and you performed that joke before this contract you performed it again in this in on our award show and so now we own it. Hmm. Right, and so you want to you want to be very you want to be like okay, what are the rights like you're saying you know who owns the rights, um, but like is there any transfer of the rights? And, so, and often there is because you know understandably again if I would work for a production company I want to be like look if you know Lou Ralph we hired you to work on this to to come to this award show this roast or whatever and you perform all these jokes I don't want you to I don't want you to say you own them because I just want to be able to do – whatever I whatever I want to be able to do with this award show. If I want to sell it, if I want to put in a DVD, if I want to stream it, I don't want to have to keep coming to you and asking you for, for, for permission to show these jokes. So I just own them. The danger is that, you know, L'Oreal has this, I think it's easier with Aziz. Aziz used to have this really funny, I forget what it's even called now, but he used to have this really funny character that he always performed. Randy. Randy, right? <laughs> and, yeah exactly and so he had randy and randy was really funny but that was everyone knew that was randy right and everyone knew that was aziz and aziz's you know creative property um and if you weren't careful you could get in a situation where aziz performed randy on comedy central and then comedy central like we own randy now you know and so you you just you just get in, you just gotta i don't know it's hard it's hard man and you gotta you just gotta you gotta make sure that like you know, in, in terms of your copyrights, you're you're very clear on what you own and what you are uh, transferring ownership when you are engaged by a, a production company or whoever.
1: Yeah, it sounds absolutely imperative. Um, yep. So in regards to screenwriting, uh, or screenplays rather. Uh, let's, say I, let's say I write a screenplay and I send it to a colleague via email um, without having it um, copyrighted. and two years later it's a feature film and it's made a bunch of money. Like what legal wiggle room do I have there? I mean, that, that's like the,
2: that's the biggest fear, I think, of any young writer.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You want to, I mean, the answer is like you want to get it registered. You want to be very careful sending it to other people um, but it's like you know it, it depends if, if it's, and it's always hard it, you know if the paper trail is there then the paper trail is there and like you know I'm sure litig- a great litigator can like you know show that they stole your because I mean you know you, you don't have to um, like as soon as you create something as soon as you create something you own the copyright right mm-hmm. like when you registering it is just formalizing the process like you like if i write a novel i own the co- even and i don't register it i own the copyright because it's my creative output registering it just makes it just kind of just makes it clear and makes it a lot easier and makes it makes every makes the litigation a lot easier um but i it's not like i don't own the copyright if i don't register it registering it just makes it just formalizes it so if someone straight up stole Something that you that you put into written form, um, i you know there obviously would be legal r- ramifications. The only the only caveat is that like proving it is going to be harder. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's there's two. Step one is like, do you own this copyright? Step two is like, can you even prove that? You know, like, and then can you even prove? And that's why I tell people like a lot of people are submitting their, you know, best screenplays and their best ideas to, like, a lot of these, like, open calls stuff. Yes,
0: these, like, contests. I'm, like, yeah, I'm I'm concerned about that, too. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah so it's, like, it's, like, uh, without naming names, like, I, I like a lot of these production companies, but you read the disclaimer, and the disclaimer, obviously, is drafted by their lawyer and obviously protects the hell out of them, and, you know, the, the disclaimer is, like, anything you submit um, you're aware that we may receive something else completely identical to it. <laughs> and the fact that we produce anything that's completely identical to your work that you submitted does not indicate that we at all, you know, stolen from you. And so please sign this before, or please acknowledge this before submitting. Um, and so that's truthful, right? It's like, man, like, I, like, That would be so hard to prove that they stole your thing, right? Because they could just say, oh, no, we are, although say, you know, someone else may submit it, right? So you may have an issue of where you submit something and someone else submitted the same idea, right? Which, you know, would be harder for them to prove, or they could say, or we were internally working on it at already at the time of your submission, right? So you send this brilliant idea for, uh, Futuristic something or other. They see it. They don't, you know. Obviously, they don't write anything down. They don't acknowledge it. Then, but then they're inspired, and then they start developing a very similar idea. Then, when it then, you know, a year and a half later, their movie comes out, and you're like, that is my idea, mm-hmm. and I submitted it when they had an open call, and then they say oh, yeah, but you signed this, and you're aware that we may have just been working on it at the same time, and look, you sent it on March 5th, and on March 5th, I randomly, and unconnected to your submission at all, I randomly started talking about it with, I randomly started talking about a similar idea with my colleagues, and here's the email that shows up. I don't know, then you're ass out of luck, right?
0: Um,
2: So, you know, again, it's just, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say I worked in reality development, and a, they had a lot of similar clauses when people um, submitted ideas. You know, say you know we're not liable. We're we're probably developing something yep. similar. You know, once you sign this, you know that you know you give your right away to not sue exactly. us for stealing your idea.
2: Yeah, so it's those risky. those are dangerous.
0: Yeah, it's really so, risky. You
2: know, Those are super risky, and you know, even even just sharing. You know your ideas with friends you know unfortunately um is something that you know just it's a value proposition. You just gotta be like you know do I trust this person? am I okay with whatever happens blah 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 um, because you know if a lot i mean the 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 industry always needs great written material, you know, and there will always be people who are looking to somehow produce that one way or the other um and so you know. You just gotta, you just gotta be. You gotta keep your head on a swivel. So to say. Um, you know, if something, if something's your true, true baby, then again, this ties back into leverage. Like, you know, tell, tell, you know, if you have a meeting with Disney, right? If Disney, I don't know, if Disney or Netflix heard a pitch or something that you were working on, they really like your idea, and they're like, oh, come in. And, you know, a lot of my friends are
3: like, oh, we have all these meetings.
2: You know we have all these meetings with a Macro. You know I'm not saying Macro's doing anything, but we have a meeting <laughs> with a Macro, and we have a meeting with Netflix, and we have a meeting with Monkey pong, We have a meeting with uh, Issa Ray's thing. We have all these meetings, and they're coming. They're like, come in and tell you know, pitch to us whatever you're working on. I'm like, Yeah, why don't you ask them to sign an NDA? Mm-hmm. Why don't you ask them? To, why don't you ask them to sign a confidential agreement? All right, we did, but they said no. Okay, well, <laughs> like. That those ever like that I don't know that's fine, go ahead go pitch, but like they just said no to signing a confidentiality agreement with you, so mm-hmm. I hope like I hope we're all on the same page with what that means, right like you know like now now you're going in, and now they you know they they met you and they quote unquote met someone else and they met quote unquote met someone else, and they came up with an idea, you know, maybe it yeah. wasn't quote unquote yours, you know it's like you know you can you if, You know, I think sometimes a lot of my friends, and this is, like, like personal, you know, a lot of my personal friends are so excited to go into, like, all these meetings, 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 and, you know, I'm just like, man, just ask them to sign an NDA, and they're like, no, I don't want to scare them off. I'm like, all right. It's worth a shot. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Well, if it even if they say no, you can still go into the meeting, but at least you know. At least you know what the universe is now, right? Like,
3: Mm -hmm. yeah, you know,
2: if they say if they say, "Listen, we are not, we're not holding anything you tell us confidential, and we are not promising that we're not going to work on whatever you tell us." You just know, right? Like now, you know when you go into that room. Look, whatever you say to these people. If you say the next Insecure, you say the next Atlanta, and you see that thing in development in six months with that same people you're in the same room with, I don't know. You you knew. At least you knew that you (laughs) didn't have a confidentiality agreement. Yeah.
0: You know?
2: That's a risk that
0: people
2: are willing to take, you know? Yeah, again, it ties back into what we were saying earlier, which is I completely understand why, you know, at at least me too. Like, you know, people are so desperate to get on you know it's Mm -hmm. hard out here and you really really want to make it shit me too like i said me too (laughs) but you know man like there are they're not good people and i'm not saying i'm not saying people are not good at any of these production companies i'm just saying you know there people are you know will take advantage of what they can take advantage of and you just gotta you know keep your head on solo and make sure you protect yourself for sure
0: are there any additional resources that you know, beginning, new coming artists can look into that, you know, would provide legal advice or counsel, but don't break mm. the bake in the ways that you said, because I know that uh, the firm route with the commission rate is mm. one, one approach, but are there, is there anything else out there that you would recommend?
2: Man, I, I mean, there's like, obviously, like, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, I read them, but I don't know if they'd be helpful to other people, but like, There's a lot of, like, books on entertainment law. Like, when I was trying to break into entertainment law, like, I was just reading a lot of those. And, like, you know, those, I mean, that's way too, like, in the weeds for someone who's, like, clearly concerned about other stuff but you know i really do wish there was like a cheat sheet you know maybe i mm-hmm. should just make one but i wish there yes. was like <laughs> no I've, I, I i this conversation has come up so many times especially in the music industry where i i'm friends with like a lot of like uh like young a and r's and stuff like that I'm just, mm-hmm. like, man maybe i should just make a freaking well i don't know one pager of like you know flow chart or something um but anyway, I wish there was I really do wish there was uh I don't know, man, that's unfortunate. I, I wish I wish there was something that, you know, kind of was a cheat sheet for like, look, this uh, this won't get you this won't get you all the way. I mean, this won't you know, but it'll get you it'll get you pretty far. It'll just point out the big issues. Um without a lawyer or a manager, you know, reading over your shoulder. Um but and there's a lot of the solo practitioners. They're really, really good solo practitioners. Young and young ones too. Young solo practitioners too um, that are out in you know probably the major cities. Unfortunately, you know, so like your LA and your New York and your Atlanta. Um, but you know, I I like if if some you know I'm sure there's brilliant young creatives in Indiana. And I'm sure it's harder to find you know a plethora of young black solo practitioners um who are are in the entertainment law um so yeah i mean i think it's hard um there's no there's no easy answers i I think the biggest takeaway though is that like you are not obligated to sign something just because someone gave it to you and you're not accepting whatever they give you is not is not the default you know like if someone Whatever I I, I tell ta- ta- my music friends this all the time, whenever whenever a a label or a studio or a production company gives you a contract, they're not giving you almost by definition, they're not giving you a fair contract. Hmm. That 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 would literally make no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And if you ever and if you ever sign a contract as is, you're signing an unfavorable contract. Right, because why would they be paying their lawyers to make a fair contract by def by definition? Like yeah. that doesn't I like when I was first starting, I I was like you know in corporate and both you know early in my entertainment career, I was getting yelled at because I was like oh well this is more fair like people were like why do you make this change? i was like oh it's it's fair you know and I when the other side sees it, they're like oh this is a fair contract. They're like don't make it fair, you know let them make it fair. Yeah. just make sure make sure we're protected make sure we have the most favorable thing you know because we have to go up the chain and people are like you know why is this contract fair you know like, they don't want fair you know they want, they want to unf- they want to hand a talent they want to hand talent an unfavorable contract unfavorable to the talent right so if you're signing anything as is you're signing an unfavorable contract that doesn't mean you're going to be killed they're like you know buy or you know, your first their firstborn's gonna be taken or something crazy, but you're just you're just not signing a favorable contract almost by definition. So I would, you know, in some type of Jay Z four 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 where he like, you know, puts people on to like, you know, what is the new wave, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, like the new wave needs to be like if you're signing a contract as is, you're signing a bad contract. Hmm. And so, you know. I just hope people kind of approach it from that angle, you know, and and I think that will hopefully bear fruit because then people will be like, okay, well, how is it unfair? Like, where's the unfairness? You know, where's the bad, unfavorable language? And that'll lead them down kind of the path of looking at that exclusivity, looking at the location and, you know, costs. And you know, if they're, you know, if they're getting a per diem and if they're getting their, or, you know, put back, you know, like hopefully just knowing you're signing a bad contract. If you sign it as is, will hopefully just lead people down the path of being a little, a little curious about where
1: it's bad. Wow. That's, that's incredibly insightful. Um, we appreciate, course, <laughs> we appreciate you joining us on the Black Film. Story. Yeah, of course. I appreciate that. Is there anywhere uh, people can find you on social
2: media? Reach yeah, to. for sure, for sure. My my Twitter handle is uh, k-y-a-l-b-r um, and my DMs are open. And I you know I <laughs> I respond to I seriously like the creatives always reach out and they're like, okay, this is this this is that this is that. I'm like, yeah, well, think about this, think about that, think about this, and so I'm you know I keep them open for a reason. Like I I'm always whenever people reach out, I always try to respond and like give some give some
1: insight, you know. So I'm more than happy to do so for sure all right thank you so much kyle
0: yes thank you
1: thanks for listening to the black film space podcast if you're interested in being part of our community and attending events please visit us at blackfilmspace.com and follow us on facebook and instagram at black film space subscribe to our email list and podcast all right thanks see you soon